You're listening to a Radio Stockdale podcast. Podcasts that are inspiring, interactive, and feature various discussions of leadership, ethics, and law. Welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me as always... Sean Baker. And today's topic is the 2006 film, United 93. So I think pretty much you do the... We will do the plot summary, but I think everybody is pretty much, at least in America, aware of this story. United 93 was one of the four planes on September 11th that was hijacked... And whereas Flight 11, which was the first one to hit the World Trade Center, 175 was the second one to hit the Trade Center. Then you had Flight 77 hit the Pentagon. This is the one where the passengers fought the hijackers back to take control of the cockpit. And instead of hitting what was believed to be the intended target of the Capitol building, mm-hmm. it instead it crashed into a field in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And what's, what is interesting, though, we say that, but for the most part, first half of the movie it intertwines that with a lot of just sort of the response to almost like real time the unfolding of september 11 yeah you see a lot of air traffic controllers yep one of the first guys picks up at where you know he's not getting a lot of readings from flight 11 and then he hears this which i'm assuming are the real cockpit recordings yes and you hear them saying calm down calm down we're going to the airport and it just right that is that unraveling of something strange is going on yeah and we, we see it through people from NORAD, their response, do we scramble fighter jets in the air? And then also uh, somebody portraying themselves, actually, is Ben Sliney, who was, it was his first day as um, head of the FAA, mm-hmm. was that day, September 11th. Yeah. So you just talk about, like, a day just to start a job, oh, like, the yes. worst day imaginable. Yeah, and he, he actually, I was very impressed with him. In the film, uh, I assumed he was an actor, right? Yeah. And then, and then, uh, as you as you did, I kind of looked into the film after I watched, and lo and behold, he plays himself. And uh, I think he's, you know, surely it was easier for him playing himself. But I think to kind of put it bluntly, he's got some acting chops. That that guy could mm-hmm. do some other acting jobs. I did, it was interesting looking at the historical accuracy because it it is the because you know it's september 11th the most you know terrible day imaginable for something like this yeah there's a lot of you know stress and anger but he said it wasn't like that he says it was very soft like there wasn't a lot of screaming there we said there wasn't profanity used at all yes you know and that is very different from what the film is and that's an that's a reflection i think of the extensive um uh training uh air traffic controllers in the faa people that have to overlook oversee thousands and thousands of flights every day that's a reflection of that training you can't afford to lose your cool um, because there there are easily uh, repercussions that uh, are disastrous and um, I think the film even even though it does obviously want to uh, uh, amplify the the emotions and so they do have some introduce some cussing and so forth in there. Uh, nevertheless, I think it does a very good job, and I like the fact that they intertwined the story of the people aboard the flight 
uh, with uh, the air traffic control and uh, NORAD people that were also involved. Um, I think that does a, it does a very good job of uh, reflecting that professionalism and reflecting and allowing you to both be amazed at the, the, the level of complexity of the situation they're controlling every single day. <laughs> Yes. Um, you don't think about this when you jump on a plane. You know, all you're worried about is you're getting your snacks and so forth and just getting from point A to point B. But uh, these people have a, a complex, evolving situation every day they have to deal with. Um, most days, uh, uh, nothing more dramatic than uh, weather events. This day, September 11, 2001, obviously had... Uh, 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 terrible uh, cons- uh, uh, conditions also uh, taking hold. But no- notice they also point out they were all to some extent relieved. Uh, there's some conversation there before the day really starts. Look, we're looking across the country. There's no weather do we have to worry mm-hmm. about. So you can see them kind of almost collectively relaxing a little bit and, 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 and uh, th- thanking God for that, you might say. Uh, but then as things unfold... Um, Again, I think this was interestingly indicated in the film. Um, uh, at first, when they're not getting responses from the flights, um, they take note of it, but there's no panic involved. And the reason is because these kinds of things happen every day. And sometimes people forget to turn a transponder on or aren't paying attention and, and don't answer and all kinds of things like this. So they're not prone to uh, think the worst immediately. And you see very painfully unfolding with that first flight. I think it was 11. Yeah, that was the Um, first flight. Yeah, that uh, uh, the air traffic controller at first takes note of it, uh, keeps keeps in mind he's going to have to kind of keep an extra eye on this flight, but uh, still assumes it's a normal day, right, and deals with all of his other flights. And then eventually it becomes alarming because it has been several minutes. And as far as I know with this film, and I think they did this with the made-for-TV film, too. I can't remember. Yes, but That was they, called Flight 90. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, they, they made great efforts to follow the actual events minute by minute so that the, the, the length of the film actually matches the length of time the flight was in the air. I, I'm pretty sure United 93 did that. I, I think Flight 93 did that as well. But that allows you to um, not only experience it in real time, but I think experience it as the air traffic controllers and those poor passengers experienced it in real time. So once you realize there's some bad stuff going down, it what happens to your subjective sense of time is it stretches, right? And this film manages to get you, the viewer, and we all know this story. This is what is ultimately, I think, quite remarkable about this film. It puts you in that same position. Because I, I, I remember watching this thing and going, oh, my God, oh, my God, is this going to resolve? When are the... When are, when are the flights going to be scrambled? Why is it taking so long to scramble flights? Why is it taking so long to get permission to scramble the flights, etc.? And these kinds of uh, thoughts. And, and, and then on the other hand, the, the passengers on United 93 um, slowly coming to realize what's going on. 
right? They hear the scuffle up front in first class and, and for a while uh, don't have enough information to tell what's going on there. And for the longest time, this is particularly agonizing and I think also reflective of a particular phone call that happened on that flight. For the longest time, they assume after the uh, flight has apparently been hijacked and they've figured that that has happened, they assume that the, pa- the pilots nevertheless are still being are still flying the craft, forced to fly it. And then somebody sees the bodies. And then they really start to put things together, realize what's going on. And uh, uh, all the while, at the same time, this is we have to remember this is 2001. Um, the communications that people are having, um, passengers are having with uh, people off, off the aircraft is patchy at best and they have to use those uh uh in-seat phones to call and so forth uh makes you wonder how this would have gone differently and how much more quickly they would have discovered what was going on if they had in-flight wi-fi or something like that Um, but nevertheless they're able to piece it together and then they have a terrible decision they have to make and the uh I know they're extrapolating because nobody was obviously on board the flight that survived, right? But uh, uh, they they make that tremendously courageous decision to um, try to take the flight back. And there's a, a little glimmer of hope because they find one guy aboard is uh, a pilot, not a not a, a pilot for commercial airliners, but a small airplane. And he says, yeah, I can try. I think I, maybe I can do this. And you're rooting for him. And you think, okay, maybe they can do this. Maybe th- knowing, knowing this is what's remarkable what about this yeah. film, knowing that it's not going to turn out well. Um, so a very impressive, I think, portrayal of the uh, stresses and the emotional ups and downs and the terror and the lack of information on the, yeah, on the parts of, not only of the people on the plane but those air traffic controllers trying to figure out and i thought this was also i'm sorry i'm going on here um i thought this was also very interesting um over the course of that day uh or those hours that the uh three uh, the four flights uh were uh, hijacked and then um headed toward their targets uh, this was the case there were several other flights Across the country, that uh, for some reason or another, on a normal day, this probably wouldn't have bugged people as much. But for some reason or another, weren't responding. And we have one example. I think it was a Delta nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, Delta nineteen eighty nine. And uh, you're thinking, and that really puts you again in the shoes of those air traffic controllers. Not to mess, not to mention the rest of the country. And uh, the president of the United States, because he was being uh, filled in on all these things while he was down in Florida. Um, um, you're thinking, you're, your mind spins and, and, and creates the worst possible picture. Maybe there's dozens of flights that they're going to kidnap and so forth. Masterfully portrayed here. And uh, uh, I just have to give him a big thumbs up because it's going to be very hard I think, to portray uh, an event that people are so thoroughly familiar with in a way that builds that suspense and accurately uh, um, gives to the audience the, the emotions 
I, I think it's yeah. really and, a tremendous job. And you bring up the lack of communication because there was a lot of that in the beginning. Like even talk, they talk about hijacking and they kind of look at it like hijacking. We haven't had that in 19 years because yeah. it's hard to think of it now. But in pre 9-11, the hijacking was you go. I mean, the I guess the idea would be somebody like a D.B. Cooper or all the hijackings that went on in the 70s where some guys with guns take a plane, force, force the pilot to say, give me $10,000 and land us in Cuba or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, completely different than what we view now. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a, I forget who it is that came up with uh, the uh, term, but it, it's a term that's used to uh, describe the uh, uh, almost entirely unexpected. Uh, it's called a black swan event. I cannot remember the name of the writer that came up with that phrase, but um, that's what that was because you're right. Uh, uh, throughout history, all of, all other hijackings, uh, the hijackers intended to live, and they intended to take take the aircraft to Cuba or some other place like that, get ransom for the crew and the passengers, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they were just wanting to... Uh, uh, defect and uh, like DB Cooper jump out of the plane while it was with, going. Yeah, never, right. Never to be found again. Um, and this was the uh, first time, and uh, uh, first time a successful hijacking was used for a uh, basically a kamikaze suicide attack. So yeah, you're right. Uh, the the air traffic controllers. What do they have to go on? Previous experience. That's all they have to go on. But this was such an a unique and uh, uh, first-time event that it took them a while to realize what was going on because even after the hijacking in the film and even after Flight 11 goes into the tower, the very first read on that uh, interpretation or on that event was that it wasn't even Flight 11. It was a small private aircraft, right? Nobody, even at that time, they didn't even consider it a terrorist attack. Yeah, yeah, and then I remember distinctly, uh, you know, uh, that day when this happened, I was uh, teaching at a, a middle school in Michigan. And I remember I, I taught first period and then went downstairs and kind of hung out in the office area with some people, you know, some friends in the school there. Uh, and there was a television going. And it was in between the first and second planes going into the two towers. So I'm watching this. And we're all uh, listening, and the the opinion of everybody was, well, yeah, it was an accident. Some terrible thing has happened. For some reason, this uh, this airliner has gone into the tower, but it's an accident. It's just a, maybe a malfunction of some kind. So we're watching this, and uh, as we're watching it, a plane goes into the tower again, and. Everybody in that room thought that what we were watching was a replay of the first plane going in. And it took about two or three minutes for us to realize, and the people on the television uh, who were, it was ABC News, if I recall, uh, to realize, no, that's not a replay. That's a second plane going into the other tower. And then everybody, almost at the same time, turned around to each other, as they do in this movie, by the way and says, this was planned, you know, and then you realize, uh, basically, we're at war. Um, They do a very good job of uh, portraying that kind of that progression of thought that I think a lot of Americans had at that time as they were watching this unfold. And even the the time period that this film came out, 
was sort of interesting because this was 2006. Yep. And I remember when it the very first time, like, hey, they're making a movie about this. There w- it was met with controversy as the the too soon. Like this yeah. is too soon to do this. Like I believe it was even for trailers for the movie. People saw this in New York and were very got very upset with this. Yeah, yeah. But I, I believe at the same year was interesting. Um, Oliver Stone released his movie World Trade Center, which was more about it was Nicolas Cage as a firefighter in yeah. the towers, and I forget the other guy. He was like an EMT or something yeah. in the towers, and they're stuck together after the collapse. Yeah. But it was it's like it was that time when I th- people were I guess. Five years, okay, we can start making movies about this tragedy. And I think you, even at that time you were seeing like National Geographic documentaries about yes. this. And the History Channel was doing stuff on, on this. Yes. And also, I remember in 2006, you started really hearing the beginnings, at least in the mainstream beginnings we were hearing it all over the place, was the inside job. Uh, you know, movement yeah. and the conspiracies. Alex Jones is yes. a heavy believer in that. There, loose change, I believe, was the documentary. Yes. So it is interesting to have this time when five years there are all these different reevaluations of nine eleven. Yeah, and what I found interesting about the the uh, I, I I thought there was a, a a reaction to this film being too too early. I do remember that back when it came out, but uh, uh, what I found curious is this wasn't the first one. <laughs> Flight 93 was the first one out. That was a made-for-television movie. Um, and there, there was a similar reaction. Um, Came out the same year. Yeah, but just a little earlier yeah. in the same year. And uh, I don't... I, I understand why people would respond in that way, but um, um, what both what both films do, and maybe the made-for-TV one does it a little bit better in, in the second regard I'm about to mention but both films do an admirable job of paying honor to the people that were trying to deal with what was going on uh on the uh, on the part of the faa and the military and the government but also those passengers and i think um um Flight 93 actually does a slightly better job with the passenger side mm-hmm. of that than yeah, this one. Say that. Um, this one, this one wants to wants to uh, give honor to both sets of people, so it has to sacrifice to some extent the story of the passengers um, in order to uh, do it for the uh, people running the commercial airline uh, industry and the FAA and so forth. But uh, because they did those, because they not only accurately portrayed the events, more or less, um, but because they did so in a way that honored the people that survived this, I think the uproar quickly subsided. And you're right, the uh, crazy conspiracy theory weaving started relatively soon after that. And that documentary you mentioned uh, what was it called loose change loose change was uh, a very big deal and um the the outrage there was completely justified these people are uh, that spin these theories are uh, looking to promote themselves but also i think being deeply sadistic they they take especially alex jones the, the man is despicable um and they would also send Threatening letters, death threats to victims of the tragedy and their families. And yeah. the woman who took a picture of United 93 right as it crashed, 
they send death threats to her saying she faked it or she's a government agent yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, And, you know, that that's all, that's, that all fits a pattern. Uh, very interestingly, when uh, national tragedies occur, there seem to be um, two primary channels of reaction to them. One primary channel, I think, is reflected by these two films and those documentaries you talked about and books that have come out after afterwards. Uh, they, in some way or another, um, not only honor the people that were victims and the people that tried to deal with the tragedy, but also honor the obligation we have, uh, basically as historians, to record things accurately, right? Um, you know, think about other major events in, in world history, in American history. Uh, you, you see, that's a that's kind of the the bright side of the typical reaction. On the other side, inevitably, with major events like this, you also see a darker side of uh, a kind of conspiratorial side come out, and uh, people weaving not only conspiracy theories but, as you said, um, lashing out at the victims of these things and uh, trying somehow or another to blame them, but certainly to punish them in some way. Um, and uh, like I said, uh, Alex Jones is a classic yeah, the, example. The of Sandy Hook shootings, he yeah. for years claimed it was a false flag operation, and many of his followers would send death threats to the victims of the children. Yes. Um, so it, 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 it's not unusual. That's what's yeah. odd about this. You, 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 you know, there's famous conspiracy theories about World War II, right? You know, Roosevelt knew all along the Japanese were going to attack Pearl Harbor. And just this crazy, for lack of a better phraseology, victim blaming um, seems to be, unfortunately, either a, a, an aspect of human psychology generally or an aspect of American psychology generally. I don't know which. Um, but... Uh, Having said all that, I think the uh, dominant reaction is the former type of reaction, and uh, that's a credit not only to humanity but to America as well. Yeah, and you talk about how this, like I do agree, because it's been a while since I've seen that made-for-TV movie, Flight 93, but the four guys who were considered the ringleaders of the resistance, um, Mark Bingham, mm -hmm. Todd Beamer, Tom Burnett, and Jeremy Glick. Yeah. They were the, what I remember particularly, I believe it was Todd Beamer, who was on the, in that Flight 93, on the phone with a controller named Lisa Jefferson. Yes. And the famous line Beamer says is, let's roll, yeah. right, as he hangs up and then they plan their attack on yes. terrorists. Yes. And you see her a lot in that Flight 93, but she's not mentioned she's, at all. Yeah. So the, and, the famous let's roll line, it might have been in Flight 93, but it's definitely not in this movie. And, uh, it is, but somebody else says it. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody else says it. It was... I think it was... Uh, I think it was Bingham. Am I wrong? Yes, Mark Bingham. He was the, I remember yeah. he was the rugby player. Yeah. And he was the one yeah. that nearly missed his flight. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that was, um, I remember that's actually shown in both this movie and that movie. Yes, that it is. He nearly misses his flight. Yeah, that's, what, that's, that's the aspect of the made-for-TV movie I really liked. That phone conversation between, uh, uh, hold on, what's her name? The air traffic controller. Lisa Jefferson. That phone conversation between Lisa Jefferson and Beamer, I think that, that built up the drama there, but it also showed that connection. And there were other instances um, um, 
during the four flights where phone connection between uh, uh, air crew or passengers and people back on the ground were there and very emotional and recorded. Um, so I like the fact that that made-for-television movie did choose to highlight that. And United 93 didn't so much. Yeah. And one thing that, another thing that did receive controversy in this film we should bring up was the portrayal of one of the passengers, Christian Adams. Now, he was a German passenger. Yeah. And he, throughout the film, he's saying, let's not, go, let's just do what they say. Let's not try to fight them. Let's not try to resist them. And he goes as he goes almost as far as to try to tell them, tell the terrorists that look out, they're going to fight you. And they, yeah. like you see them dragging him down before he gets a word out. And I know the family has said like there was the flight logs and everything. There's no evidence that there was yeah. anybody involved trying to appease them or trying to speak out and not have yeah. them do that attack. Yeah, yeah. And the, it, I guess it's you could say it's just a way to sort of. Um, building the tension like is he going to rat them out is he going to thwart their attempt to resist but it's like we said a long time ago with uh rescue dawn and i, I forget the guy's name but there was that family where they, in that movie he's considered as sort of nearly causing the escape attempt to fail yes in this one it, it, i can understand but you're also at the expense of the character of somebody and thinking like yeah. well that guy you tried to you tried to uh, thwart the attempt yeah yeah I, I that's that's an aspect of the film i didn't like either uh uh primarily because and maybe you're right it was constructed primarily to create some sort of a dramatic tension but you, you don't want to do that at the cost of one of these people that you're honoring so i'm not quite sure why that was in there uh good question i'm not at all uh uh surprised family members would be upset at that yeah, and because I remember, it's been like I said, it's been a long time, so my memory might be a bit hazy of Flight ninety three. But I do remember there were some people because in that one, the the uh, they, the terrorists take control of the um, intercom and say like we're you know they've agreed to our demands, try where they're going to land our plane. And there are some people saying, oh thank God, okay, we're going out of here alive. Yeah, but you can see like you said, Beamer, Glick, and Bingham and Burnett, they realize you know because they realize what's going on in the outside world, like. They're lying to us. And yes. That's when they sort of yes. Yes. do the resistance. And what uh, 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 I found this interesting, we've been talking about uh, the victims and the uh, uh, people on the ground controlling the situation, right? Uh, what I think this film did a good job of doing is uh, uh, not only portraying the emotional turmoil of the passengers and the... Uh, lack of information and stress that uh, uh, was involved with the air traffic controllers and NORAD and so forth, actually take a little bit of a risk here in this film and uh, allow you to live the experience through the uh, eyes and ears, so to speak, of the three hijackers. And I, uh, they're obviously committed to their cause. You see them praying. At one point, you see them praying at the same time as you see the passengers praying because they know what's going to happen, right? I think that's very effectively done. Um, but a really excellent source of dramatic tension, again, remarkable in, in, in light of the fact that we all know how the story is going to turn out, is the events leading up to the hijacking. When you see Jara sitting there 
and his compatriots get up more on more than one occasion, especially the one guy who's really a zealot, the little short guy that has the bomb. Um, and they said, come on, let's do this. We've got to do this. It's well past time, right? And he keeps putting them off and saying, well, it's not the right time yet. It's not the right time yet. And as I'm watching that, I'm reading that, especially because he's sweating, he's looking nervous and so forth. I'm reading that as giving us uh, a, a look into a man who's decided he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to die. Uh, nevertheless, he eventually does it. Um, and then later on, as the people are trying to, the passengers are trying to break into the cockpit, uh, you see him again re reacting as, as, again, masterfully done. You see the ground spinning up toward you uh, through the uh, windshields of the aircraft. And it shows him in the foreground uh, trying vainly to, to hold on to the wheel. Then they break in and there's a struggle and then that's the end of the film. Um, I, I think he, he really took a risk there. The, the filmmaker took a risk there. I won't say it was a, a sympathetic portrayal. I won't go yeah. as far as that. But it was, it was nevertheless uh, a portrayal of uh, what's kind of in a perverted way, I guess you could say, um, the amount of courage it takes for a suicide attacker to carry out what they do. I mean, you, you know, courage isn't always something that's exercised um, in, in service of noble ends. I mean, courage essentially is undertaking something despite the fact that you recognize that it's a mortal danger to you in some way or another. And you can see that uh, these three guys are doing this. And it's particularly particularly clear in the case of Jara. So, like I said, I think the filmmaker was taking a little bit of a risk there because I would imagine some people would have uh, um, uh, uh, Darn it. offended some people would have accused him of trying to make these guys sympathetic. Um, but he doesn't do that. I don't think he does that at all. But he does allow you, uh, as an audience member watching this thing, to get inside their heads and see what it was like for them. And it, it adds to the drama. I yeah, think it helps. And since you brought up the uh, director, this is Paul Greengrass, and he does a lot of movies based on historical events. And one other one, other one he did was Captain Phillips. Hmm. And the, just like in that, people made the comparisons between this, because just like in that movie, he focuses a lot on the main Somalian pirate who leads the attack on that cruiser ship. Yeah, and again gives you a depth of characterization in that case. Yeah, and I, I think that's a point of superiority, actually, when you compare United 93 to Flight 93, um, I think. Yeah, because they're yeah. not really portrayed much in Flight 93, just shown them commencing the attack. Yeah, and they're just kind of flat characters, whereas yeah. these guys, you're, you're especially with Jara, you're living the events through his emotional lens, and I think it works. Yeah, it is... Interesting. We talk about how you know the too soon, but immediately after this, you saw kind of an influx of later nine eleven movies. And mm -hmm. actually, I should bring up that this wasn't even really the first film to bring up nine eleven. The first film was a Spike Lee film called Twenty Fifth Hour. Now it's not really about nine eleven, but it is nine eleven is definitely in the background of that movie. I believe hmm. one of the movie scenes in the movie they're at like a hotel, and it's right near 
ground zero and it's the aftermath of them trying to rebuild but it's after the, the towers have gone yeah but you, and you've seen it in later movies um there was an adam sandler movie called rain over me where he's a man who lost his wife during 9-11 and a old college friend reconnects with him and tries to get him out of this malaise he's been in since the attacks yeah but you talk about which one is taste i want to bring up some films that many consider to be tasteless uh-huh one of which was a movie called remember me and i haven't it's basically a young adult romance movie this Robert pattinson who is batman this is in his twilight days but he falls in love with this young woman they're both troubled young adults and robert pattinson has a troubled relationship with his father and i and he's got also got a much younger younger sister and he's the dad doesn't really take care of them i forget the whole thing but eventually at the end him and his dad finally have a reconciliation and his dad says come and meet me in my office and his and he says goodbye to his sister she's got to go to school and he's waiting in the office and she, and the secretary or whatever says your dad's running a little bit late he's getting to traffic but he'll be here shortly and it cuts into that and then it cuts into his sister and she's in school and they're writing down today's date on the chalkboard mm-hmm. and the date is september 11th 2001 and after that we pan out with patson looking out the window on the office and he's in the world trade center yeah. and then as brosnan uh the his dad's played by pierce brosnan but yeah. driving he stops and he sees the plane first flight 11 hit the world trade center building and that's where his office is his son died wow and people said you use not basically saying you use 911 as a plot twist yeah and that kind of their defense though was saying he it's like telling every person who died had their own story and this is one of the stories yeah. supposedly yeah and it seems to me it's also driving home the point that uh uh in terms of uh life in general and uh, people you love uh you know, things contingencies always happen. It can happen at any time that will take them away from you. So maybe they felt like it's important to remind people mm-hmm. that, of that as well. But one film that I do not see any defenses for is a film, I believe it came out like four or five years ago. It's simply called 9-11. And it might have been based on a play, but the main thing I think people found so tasteless about it is one of the people in the film is played by Charlie Sheen. And Charlie Sheen is a heavy believer in the in the 9-11 is an inside oh job. Oh, my movement. goodness. So there was a lot of criticism. So why are you casting a guy in this movie who doesn't even believe that really happened or happened the way it was really portrayed? Wow. And I had not heard anything I heard about it, that. It got absolutely horrible reviews. Everybody said it was offensive. So uh-huh. I don't know exactly if it's just Charlie Sheen or... It was like all these people are stuck in an elevator or something. Yeah. And it's supposedly they somehow survive at the end because after the, the Trade Center collapses, they get discovered in the rubble. But I just remember people wow. saying this is offensive and Charlie, you know, it's offensive to have Charlie Sheen in this movie. Yeah, that's like putting Alex Jones in the movie. Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's safe to say I have no plans to ever watch that movie. No, me neither. Other couple 9-11 films, I guess they're more documentaries, but mm-hmm. I know I wanted to bring up. One is 102 Minutes That Changed America. And I believe as we're talking, as day of this recording, it is September 10th. So tomorrow on the History Channel, I believe that is going to air. But it's basically yeah. all collects most all the different footage of that day of people shot, mainly of the World Trade Center, maybe the Pentagon, and yeah. telling it in 102 minutes from the 
first plane hitting the trade center yeah. to and there's no there's, this is really well done by the way yeah. it's uh there's no narration involved at all it is all original footage and uh flight recordings and so forth and I remember the first time they showed this they actually timed it to coincide with the actual events so you had to get up at roughly 8 a.m in the morning to to watch this thing i don't know if they're still doing that or not but uh, i can't recommend that thing highly enough it's it's mm-hmm. excellent and then the other one I wanted to bring up is the Nadet brothers or Nade, I can't pronounce it, but it was uh-huh. two French brothers. And they weren't even planning, obviously they weren't planning on doing this documentary about 9-11 because it happened as things were unfolding. They were supposedly just uh, doing a documentary about one of some firefighters. F- New York Department of Firefighters oh, on probation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you know the famous footage of yeah. Flight, the only known footage of Flight 11 hitting the first, hitting the Trade Center, that's them. They were just filming them, like, doing some routine check on, like, a possible gas leak. Yeah. Then they heard the planes, and they panned over, and that's Flight 11. Yeah. And from there on, they're both, they just get separated, and they're both filming just the firefighters and their response. And I think one of the more famous scenes in the documentary is the head fire chief of the FDNY He's getting calls, and he looks up, and it's the first tower collapsing, and they're having to run out of the building. Yeah, wow. I have not seen that film and, at all. And eventually, because both of them thought they were dead. Yeah. But eventually, they reunite at some point. And what's the name of the film? I, I would just, I think it's just called 9-11, but I would just type in N-A-U-D-E Brothers. Okay. In a, it's on YouTube. You can watch for free. Okay. All right. We'll do that. I have not seen that one. Yeah. All right, getting close to the end of my questions. Anything else you want to bring up before we sign off? Uh, Again, maybe it's just uh, reinforcing my reaction to this film. Uh, I think he does a fantastic job. Other than choosing not to um, portray the uh, relationship between Beamer and, uh, what's her name? Um, Lisa Jefferson. And and Lisa Lisa Jefferson. Um, I think this this film really does a good job of putting you, creating tremendous suspense and uh, doing it in such a way that you you get a a full dose of the uh, psychological and emotional reactions of all the people involved, all of them without exception. Um, And being able to pull this off, telling a story that everybody knows the details of and everybody knows how it ended and putting you in the position there toward the end when they break in maybe they're going to pull this off maybe they're going to be able to get that pilot up there even though you know it's not going to happen Uh, i can't give him enough praise for pulling that off as a filmmaker it's quite remarkable thank you for listening to this week's episode of philosophy at the movies You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. There you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and The Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds, Reach episode I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at thesoundofcinema.podomatic.com. The next film we're going to discuss is the M. Night Shyamalan movie Old from 2021, and we promised since our last uh, show focused on Cambodian genocide, and this episode focuses on 9-11, we're going to lighten it up in the next couple episodes. We're not going to have all these depressing, dour uh, stories. <laughs> yes. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Saying so long. Be sure to catch us next time on Philosophy at the Movies.